Technically, it's three camps. We have three different encampments. Camp Brookwoods. Brookwoods. Camp Deer Run. Camp Deer Run. River Outpost. Three camps. Moreau and Brookwoods. Deer Run. River Outpost. The Three Camps Podcast. With your hosts, John Cooper and Seth Coates. Three camps. Hello and welcome to the Three Camps Podcast. I am Seth Coates. And I'm John Cooper. And this is episode 23. Yes, it is. Yeah. John, what are we doing this weekend? Yeah, everyone, I had the pleasure. This is like we took the podcast down to where I live, which is the kitchen. Seth was with me all weekend. We had this um, Winnipesaukee weekend, like 65 people maybe, Seth? It yeah. It was all families. Man, did we get how much snow did we get? I don't even, it feels like we got two feet, but I think it was less than that. I think Jammer, one of our plow guys, shout yeah, out to Jammer. Shout out. Uh, he said uh, somewhere between 12 and 16 inches. Yeah, so I think, you know, we try and do a good job, and I think we do. But really, we gave these people snow. Yeah. We can't claim it, but that's what they came here for, and that's what they got. They got it. And it was, yeah, it's been beautiful here. It's been uh, quiet and just white. Everything is white. But no one wants to get on the lake because it has been warm, and we don't know really what's going on it's down It's really hard to know what's hiding below all that snow right now. Yes, is exactly. Is it thick ice or is it thin ice? Right. Well, so Seth, uh, for all of you who didn't know this about him. He can cook. And so he came down and threw uh, my, my father-in-law. He says, sling the hash. You slang the hash with yes. me. Uh, and yeah, it's been a long weekend, but a good one. It's been fun. Starting off March the right way. Um, but yeah, we're coming up on an important Tuesday in March. It is. It's the first Tuesday in March. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Episode 23, baby. Let's get into it. <laughs> It's March, and it's first Tuesday. March holds a special place in the memories of my youth. My dad's rule was we could get out our bikes if the street sweeper had come down our road, or if it was the first day of spring, whichever one happened first. It was an exciting time of year. Spring was in the air, the days were getting warmer, even today, I have a fondness from seeing street sweepers just because as a young man, spotting one meant my range in which I was roaming was about to get much bigger. And more importantly, the anticipation of summer gains some momentum as spring approaches. Winter is almost over, but not yet. Last month, I shared a story of hiking in Maine's highest peak. Remember I said that I'd been up there 2.5 times. If you haven't listened to the February episode of First Tuesday, I highly recommend you go back and give that a listen. I wasn't really planning on this being like a two-part episode, um, but like so many things in my life, my plans have changed. And you might just wanna get back to the first part so you can get what I'm launching off of for this one. So. 2.5 times up Katahdin. I hiked Maine's highest peak and the finish of the AT twice at a youth camp that I attended as a young man. I did it once as a camper and once as a staff member. It was a part of like this Allagash wilderness trip that we did. 
And while both of those were memorable trips, the .5 was just as memorable for some different reasons. About 10 years ago, I was running an outfitter called Windfall Rafting. We were a dedicated for-profit business that was attached to Christian camps and conferences, what we know as the three camps. Three camps? Mostly what we did was take people whitewater rafting. But every so often, I would guide fishermen or recreation trips. And in the spring of 2014, I had a father-son pair reach out and ask if I would take them backpacking into Baxter State Park, hike Mount Katahdin, and teach them the finer points of backpacking along the way. I asked a bunch of questions about their fitness level and their camping experience and their goals. And then I set to the task of creating an itinerary that could accomplish those goals. I went through our gear and arranged it in such a way that they could experience both traditional backpacking methods, as well as just barely scratch the surface on ultralight backpacking. They were, in their own words, experienced hikers, but not backpackers. And what I know from my own backpacking journey is that the heavier my pack, the greater the suffering, and therefore the less enjoyment. And I was able to set us all up so that our pack weight was a little less than 30 pounds in an effort to maximize their learning and their enjoyment. On our drive over to Baxter, I made conversation about other hiking adventures that they had tackled as a father-son pair. I heard stories of hiking Greylock in Mass, Mansfield in Vermont, and several of the Whites in New Hampshire. And I was fairly confident that we would have a successful trip. We parked at the A-Ball Bridge on the Penobscot River and hiked up the AT into the park. We were able to get a campsite at the base of the Hunt Trail that night. I think it's called Katahdin Stream, but I would have to look at a, a map to know. The next day was our summer day and it was great weather. It was like a perfect outdoors day. The way I remember it, there was very little wind and it was a bluebird sunny day. And as we hiked, I continued to hear stories of these other mountains. And you know how you do it. You see the things around you and you liken what you're seeing to things that you've done before. So this was the storytelling that was going on. When I hike with others, I typically target a pace of one mile per hour. I find this pace slow enough to match people's fitness level, but fast enough to accomplish the task at hand without needing headlamps at the end of the day to find your campsite. I was able to keep us on that kind of pace until we broke through the tree line into the, the rockier section of the hunt trail. At this point in the trip, we slowed down, way down. The exposure above tree line was getting into their heads and the wind picked up just a little bit. Now it's worth noting that the dad was in his mid forties and the young man had recently turned about 12. I began to do what good guides do. We set smaller goals, we take a little more frequent stops, shorten up your stops so that you can keep moving let's go up to that boulder up there and then we'll take a rest or you guys are doing great wait till we get up a little bit further and you'll see the plateau above us and the tablelands and then at one of our rests an unexpected thing happened the 12 year old announced that he was all set he did not need to summit i redoubled my encouragement and just wait all we need to do is press on 500 yards and we'll be up at the tablelands no joke a literal 500 yards. And then something I never imagined would happen, happened. The dad agreed with his son. They did not need the summit. I tried all my best guide phrases and Jedi mind tricks, but they were determined not to summit. After 40 minutes of this, 
There was no convincing them, and we headed down. Now, last month, you'll remember, we talked a little bit about my love-hate relationship with James 1. And you'll remember that the testing of our faith and that process produces perseverance. And this is not something that I particularly enjoy, actually, in my life. Definitely not something that I look forward to. The part I like about James, though, is that I find it to be true in my life. The things that James lays out about hard times can be observed in your life as you look back on a time where testing or trial was there. In my quiet time over the last month, I've moved through the book of James and both the Peters, Peter 1 and 2. And Peter actually agrees with James. They both write about the testing of our faith and the refinement that God uses for it in our life. I remember a professor in college talking about 1 Peter and making a statement that in the Christian life, hard times are guaranteed. Health, wealth, happiness are not, but trials are. And for a long time, I thought that that was a very kind of bleak way to view Christianity. But if you look at how they write about it, you'll notice what he's talking about, my professor. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, James says this, but he doesn't say if. Peter actually uses the if a couple of times, but also says that it should not surprise us when we encounter suffering. Peter expected his readers to suffer because they were Christians. And I think that's a part of what was going on in that time, but it remains true in this day and age as well. At the end of his letter, Peter gives a glimpse of hope to the reader. Something I missed in my understanding of what this part of my sanctification would look like for many years. Post-college, I had a several year period of time that was wearing on me spiritually. The details are unimportant, but I hit some real low points in my spiritual walk, in my experience of relationships, and in my general outlook on life. Towards the end of that time, I noticed 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11. Let me read it to you. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I was ready for that restoration. The completion of the perseverance journey that I was in the midst of, I was ready for it. As it turns out, that period of time wasn't over for me when I read those verses out of 1 Peter. But as a gift from God, he showed me that there was going to be an end coming through Peter's words. And then a few months later, I got to experience that end of that season and see this truth of scripture play out in my life. On the way down the mountain that day in 2014, I got a clearer picture of what had just happened. I discovered through their storytelling that they had hiked on Greylock. They had hiked on Mansfield and many others, but they had never summited. On that day on Mount Katahdin, they had yet to summit any of the highest peaks in New England, though they had been on all of them. I found myself struggling to project the happy guide demeanor that I'm accustomed to doing. And by the end, when they announced that they were tired and turning in was all they wanted to do, it was all I could do just not to yell at them. Like, why are you tired? We haven't even pushed ourselves yet. On the drive home, I found myself becoming internally sad for both of them. 
I was sad that this young man was being taught that giving up was acceptable, normal, and a fine option. I was sad that this dad was not pushing his son to the point of being able to demonstrate real pride in an accomplishment as tangible as standing on top of a mountain. And I began to wonder how this would play out in this young man's life. And I still wonder. It's been 10 years. Did he finish high school? Did he attempt college? Or did he give up in junior year when so many of us hit a low spot in our college time? Has anything entered his life that has made him push into the world of discomfort? Has he ever been through adversity to the point of success or triumph? I hope so. But I wasn't able to give him that building block at age 12. At least as far as hiking and backpacking goes, he missed out on the gift of enduring adversity as a young man. And I call it a gift, not because the process is great or even fun, but because the refinement of our character, our emotions, our faith makes us into the people we are. God's work in our lives is most likely going to be in the midst of adversity as well as in the midst of good times. The testing of our faith will be hard. Seasons of life can be very hard. Trusting God that he is for us and that he has our best in mind as he refines us can be hard. Like believing a guide that's standing on top of the mountain makes what you're feeling in your legs worth it. Even harder to believe when it's intangible and it's our faith journey. I don't look forward to the hard times. I'm not thankful in the moment for the seasons of life where trusting the Lord is hard, but I can look back on those seasons of life that were hard and see the purpose or the value of that time. I can look back on my life and see how God has incrementally been growing my faith. And I can see how God is making me strong, firm, and steadfast. That is something to be thankful for, and not to shy away from or give up on. This episode of the Three Camps podcast was produced by Seth Coates and myself. Thank you for coming along with us on this, our 23rd episode. Thank you for all those who attended our Winnipesaukee weekend. It was fun having you here in the snow. We do hope your year is going well and that these episodes serve as a good reminder of things to focus on as you go through it. Thanks, everyone. So long.